0: Good morning again everyone. Thank you for being with us. It's always it's always humbling to see the folks that come to listen and we trust that the Lord will have a message for all our hearts this morning. It's been our privilege to be here these these last two two weeks and to enjoy the fellowship and the love Christian fellowship that we always enjoy here and Um, Pray that we might have a safe journey back on Tuesday, and pray that we might, uh, in the will of the Lord, be able to visit you again, perhaps in January, all all being well. Um, You know, we were treated to to a meal last night. Um, Imagine, at my age, it's the very first time um, I've ever had a Thai meal, you know. Very first time um, in Belfast, you know it's normally fish and chips, and uh, so a Thai meal was something special. And you know I, I didn't tell them last night, but you know they did open a Thai restaurant in Belfast quite recently, and you, you'll never guess what they called it—the Thai Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So that's true. That, that is a true. That is a true story. So, but um, but I think I think we'll be going home to meat and two veg and uh, and, and the normal most of the time. So we're going to read again uh, that we're going to read this morning again in the book of the Proverbs, and we're going to read again, please, in chapter thirty. Chapter 30. <clears throat> and I'm going to read, uh, commence to read. If, if you like to keep your Bibles open because we will go back a little bit. But I want to read first of all in, in chapter 30 and verse number 29. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse number 29. There be three things which go on well, yea, four are comely and going. A lion, which is strongest among beasts, and turneth not away from any. A greyhound, an he-goat, and a king, against whom there is no rising up. that will do just for our our reading just at the beginning. Um, You might wonder why we're starting at the end of the chapter rather than just continuing on where we were last week. But I did want to emphasize to you, and that's why I came to the end of the chapter first. It's not just an Irish way of doing it, by the way, that you do things back to front. Um, I really wanted just to emphasize to you the burden, the burden of Agar's ministry. And it seems to me that at the end of the chapter here in verse number 29, he brings us the very burden of why he has been giving this particular message and this particular ministry. And he says there are things that go on well. There are things that go on well, and that is the burden, and that is the reason for the ministry that Agar gave my dear brothers and sisters this morning, the burden of our heart in ministry is that you all might go on well. There, there, there are occasions when Christians, for whatever reason, go back. There are occasions, for whatever reason, when Christians fall away. They might not lose their salvation. But they lose their joy and their sweetness and their prosperity in the Lord and they go back. And Agar's burden in his ministry is that those that he ministered to might go on well for God. And that's the burden, brothers and sisters, of my ministry this morning. That as I look down upon you all, the young folks and the older folks, that you all might go on well for God. You see, I want to tell you that just because you're saved, the devil doesn't give up easily. The devil doesn't want to let you go. He doesn't want you to enjoy the things of God the way that you should be enjoying them. And if it's a possibility to draw you back into the world, he'll do that. But I want to tell you today that It's the purpose of this ministry that we might all go on well for the Lord. Now, um, you know, sometimes I come back here after being away for a number of months and I like to ask about the Christians. And I would say to our dear brother here, what about so-and-so and what about that brother and what about that sister and you know, it's a great joy when he says that they're going on well. They're going on well. And you know, I remember two young boys that used to sit just down here. And I really loved them in the Lord because I could see the potential in their young lives for God. And I asked about them recently and they're no longer here. And it touched my heart that for whatever reason they've gone back and they're no longer here. And so it's the, it's the burden of our heart today because we love you all in the Lord that you might all go on well for God. You know the Lord wants you to go on. You know, it's, so I was encouraging you, you remember that last week, I was encouraging you that you might all be humble but I want you to lift up your heads this morning and I want you to lift up your hearts and I want you to see how precious you all are to the Lord. That He, that he loved you so much that He gave Himself on the cross of Calvary for you. And if you read in the book of the Psalms and in Psalm number 16, you know what the, the Scripture there calls the Christians. It calls them the excellent of the earth. The excellent of the earth. And what a wonderful thing it is, brothers and sisters, to look upon one another. We mightn't be much in the eyes of the world, but in the eyes of the Savior, in the eyes of the Lord, you're the excellent of the earth. So lift up your hearts today because the Lord wants you to go on. And I, I know I speak on behalf of, of the elders in this church, in this fellowship. The elders want you to go on. You know, sometimes when I was a a boy at home, the elders used to have a wee word with me about certain things. And sometimes it wasn't easy to accept, but I knew that they wanted me to go on for God. And I'm reminded of the little girl. I'm reminded of the little girl whose granny asked her, did you love the Bible? And did you love the verses of the Bible? And the wee girl said, Well, Granny, I do love them all except one. There was one verse that you didn't. And the granny said, well, it was very interested. She said, Well, what is that verse? And she said, It's the little verse in the book of Genesis where God said to Hagar, Thy God seest me. Thy God seest me. And the wee girl, the granny asked the wee girl, She said, Well, why do you not like that verse? And she said, because God is always seeing me to see if I'm doing anything wrong. But the granny said, no, 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 no. She said, God is always looking at you to see if you're doing anything right. It's the very opposite way around. And you know that's what the Bible says about the elders of a church. They watch. They watch for your souls. Not to, not to pull you up. Not to find you out but to encourage you and watch you and to guide you and to direct you in the ways that would be pleasing unto God. So we want you to go on. The Lord Jesus wants you to go on. The elders want you to, wants you to go on. And Agar, in Proverbs 30, wants you to go on. Now that brings us to, that brings us to these four things that he says that go on well. He says there are four things that go on. Well, <clears throat> there's the lion and the greyhound and the he-goat and the king. Now, it, it, it appears to me that there's a great difference between the lion and the greyhound it appears to me that there is a, a great distinction and difference between these first, two that, uh, these first two beasts that Agar mentions. Because you look at a lion and you'll say to yourself, now there's an animal that will go on. There is definitely something that will survive. He's, he's the top of the food chain in the jungle. He's the top of the Tree in the wilderness. He's the strongest of all the beasts. He will definitely go on. He will definitely survive. The lion will survive. He's what I would call he's what I would call the Mercedes. The Mercedes of the jungle. Where's Bill? Not the Ford, Bill, the Mercedes. <laughs> the Mercedes of the the Mercedes of the jungle, he's going to survive. He's going to go on. But then you come to the greyhound and you look at the greyhound and it's the very opposite. He's all skin and bone. You can see his very rib cage on either side. And you look at the greyhound and you say, now there's an animal that will never ever go on. He's so skinny. He's so thin. He's so fragile that you think there's no possibility of the greyhound ever going on. But listen, you get that greyhound in a race and you get that rabbit or that hare right in front of that greyhound and you'll see whether that greyhound is able to go on or not. Now, I want to give that a I want to give that a spiritual application. Because some of us, when we were saved, we were like lions. And some people, when they're saved, when they get saved, they're like the greyhounds. And people look upon us and they say, well, there's somebody who's going to go on. He'll have no bother going on. His father and mother are saved and he knows a little bit about the Bible from his youth and And, and he knows a little bit about the scriptures and there's no possibility of him not going on. He's a lion. He will definitely go on. But you know, some are like the greyhound. And people look upon us and they say, I know they've got saved. I know they have professed faith in Christ. But they have so much baggage. They have so many habits from their former life. There are so many things that are weaknesses in their character. I would doubt if they'll ever go on. I wonder, is there a greyhound or two in the congregation this morning? People had their doubts and people had their worries and people had their private concerns. But you've gone on. In spite of all the baggage and in spite of all the habits that are in the past, you've gone on well for God. In the goodness and in the grace of God, you continue until this day. You know, I'm going to make a wee... <clears throat> confession to you that might surprise you a little bit, but I was a wee bit of a greyhound. You see, I was brought up in a very, very conservative church. Now, let me let me kind of say this first of all, that I have no problems with conservative Christians. In fact, In many ways I'd rather have a conservative Christian than a loose Christian. The problem I have with people who are conservative in the church and loose and ungodly in the world is an inconsistency there that I cannot get to grips with. But I was brought up, these were good men, these were spiritual men, and I was involved in sport of all kinds. And you know they had a wee bit of concern about me that I would ever go on. He plays rugby, he plays cricket, he plays football, he does all these things that are worldly, and he'll never go on. He's a bit of a greyhound. But in the grace and goodness of God, we continue until this day. You know, one of those men went away to Canada, and he was a bit hard on me. Brothers and sisters, he was hard on me. He really was. As a young Christian, he was hard on me, and he went away to Canada. And you know, some years later he'd come back. He'd come back to his old town and to his old home and to his own family. And I remember the day when he put his arms around me. He hadn't seen me for years. And he said, I'm glad you're going on for God. He may have pushed me back, but the Lord preserved me until the present day. So I want you all, I want you all to have this purpose of heart that you might go on well for God. I'll tell you a little story actually about a greyhound <clears throat> it 's a bit off the theme, but it came to my mind when I was when I was thinking about it in the week that's passed. Um, there was a dear brother at home, <clears throat> mr mcclements. he just passed away in the summer time he was ninety three years of age, a godly, godly man, but before he was saved, before he was saved, he was a real he had no knowledge of the Bible. He had no knowledge of the Scriptures. He had no knowledge of, of spiritual things. He was a real he was a real out and out sinner. But God miraculously saved him. And you know what spoke to him? One night, Jimmy. One night, Jimmy went to the greyhounds, to the greyhound meeting. I'm sure you have greyhound racing here. It's a big thing at home. And he was a great man and uh, betting on these greyhounds. And Jimmy went down one night as a as a, as a worldly unsaved man in his sins. And he watched the greyhound racing and he bet on this race and he bet on this race and he bet us all on this dog at the end and he lost it all. He lost it all until he hadn't enough money even to get the bus home. And you know what spoke to him, brothers and sisters? He was walking along the street of Belfast. He had to walk home because he had lost it all in the greyhounds. And as he walked home in the rain, in a cold, dark, damp winter night in the city of Belfast in Northern Ireland, a taxi passed him, and looking out the window of the taxi was the greyhounds. The greyhounds. And he thought to himself, what a fool am I? What a fool am I? That I've lost all my money in those things, and there they can afford a taxi. The owner can afford a taxi. They take them home, and I can't even afford a bus. There must be a better life than this. There must be something more. There must be something deeper and sweeter. And not long after that, Jimmy McClements trusted the Lord and lived a life to His to His glory. I thought about that when I thought about when I thought about um, the greyhounds. So two things that go on, the lion and the greyhound. And then he brings another two and he speaks about the he-goat and the king. There's the, the, the he-goat and the, and, and the monarch. And you know, these are things that you could contrast as well. If you think about where the he-goat lives, it's the most sure-footed of all the animals. It lives on the mountainside. It lives on the hillside. And the king lives in the palace. The monarch is upon the throne. Two very distinct things. And yet they both go on well for God. The he-goat sure it. You know the thing about the he-goat is this, that it can go so high up that mountainside that it can get the pastures that no one has ever got to before. All the other other animals are not sure-footed enough to get up to enjoy the pastures of the hillside that the he-goat can enjoy. Do you ever wonder why these men on a Sunday morning are able to feed you with pastures that are sweet and pastures that are good? And pastures that are wholesome. Why? Because in the week that's past they have been sure footed goats that have been up upon the mountainside. And we should be very thankful as Christians for those who are sure footed among us, who are able to raise to heights that maybe we ourselves cannot raise to, and produce those pastures and produce that food and produce that feeding. That encourages when we come together on a Sunday morning like this. The he-goat, sure footed. And the monarch upon the throne. We have a monarch that's doing pretty well. Sixty-nine years. Sixty-nine years, or does it seven or sixty-nine years? Our monarch has been upon the throne. What a wonderful lady. You know, she is. She wrote, She has raised a family that has broken her heart. She has raised sons that were rebellious and adulterous. And yet she herself has gone on. Oh, brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you to be like the monarch and to go on. Don't go back. Paul says, if it was Paul that wrote the letter to the Hebrews, he says, we are not of those that go back. But rather that believe unto salvation. And when I come back again, if the Lord helps us in the months to come, I hope that we'll be able to say and hear that you've all been going on well for God. Now, the next wee portion of our of our study is in verse number eighteen, if you still have to if you still have your Bible open. Chapter eighteen sorry, uh, chapter thirty, verse eighteen. And he says, There be three things which are too wonderful for me, yea, four, which I know not. The way of an eagle in the air, that's number one. The way of a serpent upon a rock, that's number two. The way of a ship in the midst of the sea, that's number three. And the way of a man with a maid is number four. Now, what Agar is saying here in these verses that we have read is, he says, there are four things that we cannot understand. Four things that only God can understand. They are beyond our human understanding. If you think about it this way, there are actually four journeys. These are four journeys that we ourselves cannot really understand. First one is the way of the eagle in the air. I don't know if you've ever seen these eagles. They're heavy, heavy birds. And sometimes with heavy prey, they seem to, they seem to glide through the air with hardly even a flap of their wings. And they seem to have so much ease as to, as to glide through the air with ease, even though they be heavy, heavy birds. How do they do it? Agar says we cannot understand it. The way of the eagle. In the air. I don't th- it wasn't an eagle. We were we were we were at the we were at the uh, the I was going to say the giant the giant's causeway. We, we were at the um, the Grand Canyon. We were at the Grand Canyon a few years ago. And you know, as we stood, it was all barren rock, and the, the magnificence of those rocks and that canyon. Uh, And and, and these birds, that I think they're called condors, that are in the air. Without hardly even moving their wings, they were able to glide through the air. What a journey. How they do it, we do not understand. God understands it in the gift and ability that He's given to them. But you know what I thought about that day as I was at the Grand Canyon? It was all barren. Everything was barren. It was just rocks. And yet I thought those condors, those giant birds, have a nest somewhere. They have somewhere at the end of the day to lay their heads. I couldn't but help but think about our blessed Lord. How that the foxes below the earth had their nests, had their holes. The birds above the air, above the earth, had their nests. And the Son of Man. He hadn't where to lay his holy head. The lesson of the birds. And the journey that this eagle takes. Agar says it's beyond our understanding. The way of the eagle in the air. The way of the serpent on the rock. How does that serpent with no legs? How does that serpent with no legs get over that rock? How does it climb a rock in that mysterious journey that it takes? We cannot understand it. It's a journey that only God can understand. And the ship in the midst of the sea. The seas are tempestuous tempestuous, and the ship is going up and down and is going from side to side all at the one time. It's a journey that only God can understand. And the way of a man with a maid. Oh, brothers, the things that we have to do To win our waves. That's a journey. That's a journey. We never thought we would undertake such a journey to win our waves. My father-in-law lived by the seaside. And he had a little boat on the shores of Belfast Loch. And you know, I didn't tell him, but I hate boats. (laughs) Oh, I'm a... I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, land, a landlubber. And they used to say to me, Hilton, would you like to come out for a little sail in the boat? Oh, yes, I'd love to do that. I'd really love to do that. And boy, we went out on Belfast Loch and the journey of the boat and the ups and the downs and that little sickness that comes over you sometimes whenever the swale gets up and, and the way of a man with a maid. To win is made. But I'm going to tell you, it was all worthwhile. It was all worthwhile. But you see, it's a journey that only God can understand. Only God can understand these four journeys. Now, what I want to say about this is this, that we're all on the journey of life. Every one of us is on the journey of life. And we don't know the way ahead. There's a, there's a mystery about life's journey that we don't know the way ahead. We don't even know what lies upon the morrow. The Bible says, uh, take note, for you know not even what tomorrow shall bring forth. There's only one man knew what tomorrow was and that was the blessed Savior himself. We were singing, thinking this morning about the cross. He knew about the cross. He knew that he would lay down his life on that tree. He knew those verses that Brad brought to us that he would be wounded and bruised and chastised for our sins upon Calvary's tree. And the old hymn writer said he knew the reason why. The Father sent the Son. He knew that he had come to die, a man by men undone. And yet from that track he turned not back to where we lay in want and shame. He found us. Blessed be his name. He knew the journey. But brothers and sisters, you're all on life's journey. And have you ever noticed that in life's journey there are things that we do not understand? There are crises and there are burdens and there are circumstances that come into life that we do not understand. And have you ever noticed that some Christians have heavier burdens than others? Some Christians have a more difficult A more difficult journey than others. And they can't understand it. Why? Why is my brother? Why is my sister? Why am I so burdened? Why is the journey of life to heaven so difficult? I do not understand it. I worked with a dear man. He had two girls who were 16, twins. They were twin girls, lovely girls. And one of them took a very, a very aggressive form of leukaemia. And they used to come into work in the mornings, exhausted, having been with her all night. And he said to me one day, he said to me, quoting her by her name, he said she asked me, "Why am I praying that God will heal me and help me, and He's not answering my prayer?" There are things that we do not understand. In the ways of God and the wisdom of God, there are things that we do not understand. One of the godliest men I knew from Scotland, he used to come to us to preach and minister. I was at a meeting one night when he spoke for two long hours. He started at 8 o'clock and he finished at 10 minutes to 10. He had so much material. He had so much to say. He was so full of the Scriptures. He was one of the godliest men I've ever met. And at 57, at 57, the Lord took him home. We cannot understand the journey of life. There are so many things that we cannot understand. Again in my little home fellowship I was brought up with a girl same age as me baptized on the same night got married on the same day but not to me not to me we got on the plane to go to London for our honeymoon and she was on the same plane with her husband again as a young lady As a young lady, the Lord took her home. And I spoke to her father. Her father was a lovely man in the fellowship. He was one of the leading elders in the fellowship. I said to him, Jim, how is it? He said, it's not easy. He said, I do not understand it. But he said, there's a little verse of a hymn that has become so precious precious to me that I hold on to in times of my darkest trouble and times of my darkest, deepest distress. He says, it is when all around, when all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it amazing as we were singing there? Isn't it amazing that we have a refuge in our time of trouble? Even though we do not understand it even though we cannot fathom it or know the wondrous ways of God. The wonderful blessing is that we have a refuge in the time of trouble. you know one of the biggest burdens in life? One of the biggest burdens in life is to bring into this world boys and girls who have never trusted Christ who are still exposed to the wrath and judgment and punishment of God against unforgiven sin. That's the biggest burden in life. I tell you, my brother, my sister, if your family is unsaved, you have my deepest, deepest sympathy and my earnest prayers that we would bring children into this world who are not saved, who live in sin and practice sin, And never speak about forgiveness or about salvation. That must be one of the most difficult things in life to understand. I feel like appealing this morning. Is there someone here who has been brought into a Christian home? Is there someone here who knows that Jesus died on Calvary's cross for sinners? Is there someone here who knows the story of the cross? And yet, as we heard this morning, have never bowed beneath that cross. They've never trusted Christ for salvation. I appeal to you with all my heart. Will the circle be unbroken by and by, by and by? We used to sing the old hymn back home, There are loved ones in the glory. Whose dear form I often miss? Will you meet them in that glory? Glory. Will you meet them in the bliss? Will the circle be unbroken? By and by. By and by. You know, just before we came away, my wife was in the old, the little charity shop at home. Then that charity shop at home was a Bible. A Bible. Well-worn Bible. It was a Bible by one of our dearly loved brethren that had gone to be with glory. Go on to be to glory. And what did his unsaved family do with his loved, Beloved Bible. They put it in that charity shop. Imagine that they wouldn't have enough at least sympathy or earnestness about their own Christian father as to keep his Bible. And they put it in a charity shop the sadness of things that we do not we do not understand the ways of journeys but thank god there's one who can meet us in the storm and there's one who will be with us in the midst of life's trials and troubles and temptations I think I've honestly said enough because there's just one more thing I want to say to you. I'm not going to, <clears throat> maybe these things we'll keep to another time if the Lord helps us, but there's just one greyhound, I want to go back to that for a minute, because there's just one greyhound that I want to tell you about before, before we pray. One night we were giving out little invitations to meetings, evangelical meetings that we were having. And this young lady was digging her garden. First time I'd ever met her. First time she'd ever met me. Invited her to come to the little mission that we were having. And I tell you, she was a greyhound. She was a greyhound. She had been incarcerated when she was a teenager in England for many, many thefts. Her father was a career criminal. She said to me, she said to me, every, every Saturday night is like Christmas Eve in our house. I said, how do, you, wh- wh- how do you mean that, Patricia? She said, every Saturday night, she said, my father goes out and breaks into houses. And she said, we don't go to bed. We sit up and wait in the landing and see what he's brought. Some nights it's jewelry. Some nights it's money. Some nights it's other things, little trinkets. She says it's like Christmas every weekend in our house. And I said, what do you do now? She said, well, she said, I'm trying to get straightened out a bit. She said, I'm a dancer now. I'm a dancer in the local nightclub. I tell you, she was a greyhound. You know, she came and heard the gospel that that God loved a guilty sinner like that young lady. That even though she'd been incarcerated, even though she came from a home where the Bible was never opened or known or read, And even though she'd never ever heard the story of the cross, she found out for the first time that night that God loved sinners like her. Even greyhounds like her. God loved her and gave Himself His Son to die for her upon the cross. And you know that night she got saved. And you know I'm going to tell you this, brothers and sisters, I'm ashamed nearly to tell you, but we were having a wee discussion and ah, too much baggage, too many habits, too many old friends. She'll never go on. She'll never go on. And I tell you this, brothers and sisters, if you went to that, we don't go to that fellowship anymore. But if you went to that fellowship, even this very afternoon, she's one of the leaning lights in that fellowship for God. She loves, she loves God. She loves the Bible. She loves the Christians. She loves everything about it. It has changed her life completely. And we went away on the Sunday school trip. We used to take the children down in the big buses down to the seaside. And she went into this wee man down in the shop in Carnalock down on the Irish coast. And out of her little purse she gave him a five pound note. And she said to him, I want you to accept that from me. And he said to her, but I, you don't know me. I've never met you before. She said, you... you She said, when I was down here last year, I was ungodly. And I stole five pounds worth of things out of your shop. And she said, God has saved me and I want to pay you back. There's your five pounds. Greyhounds can go on for God. And if there's somebody here and maybe you haven't had a great start, maybe you feel unworthy, maybe you feel there's never been a he-goat that have reached the heights of others have reached. There's still, because of the grace of God, the ability to go on for him and to bring him glory until he comes again. May we all go on, including the speaker. May we all seek to give our best to him who gave his best for us when he died upon Calvary's tree. Shall we just commit ourselves to the Lord in prayer? Father, we're thankful for these wonderful words of the Bible um, sometimes we read them and we don't understand them and, and then at times we take time to read them and we realize the wonderful things that are in the Bible. And these lovely lessons that Agar left for us that might be lessons in our own time as to how to live as Christians and to how to be better Christians. And we're thankful, Lord, that though some of us have been poor and failed and let thee down in times that are past, We're thankful that we all continue until the present day. We pray that you'll bless this fellowship, Lord. We pray that you'll increase their numbers. We pray that you'll help them in their outreach and that every dear believer might know the blessing of the Lord and that we might all be faithful to him until he comes again. So, Lord, part us with your blessing. Uh, Give us a safe journey home, Lord. On Tuesday, we pray. And grant that we might all meet again soon if the Lord be not come. As we are thankful for every head bowed before thee, we ask a blessing upon them every one in the precious and worthy name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.